Welcome to Americana Station. Uh, it's a new episode. We've got Miss Lauren Pratt on the uh, program today. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Lauren. Lauren is an Americana folk singer-songwriter based in Boston, Massachusetts, who hails from the sunny Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, when a guitar arrived at her door unexpectedly, a young Lauren immediately set her amateur poems to music and thus began her lifelong affair with songwriting. In college, she stumbled into a classical voice and fell in love with the romantics and the depth of art form that goes with writing and singing a story. She graduated from Belhaven University with a degree in classical voice, which means she can sing loudly and well for her supper, if need be. From there, she packed up her boots and guitar and headed north from Mississippi for a five-year stopover in Nashville. I don't like that. It's not a stopover. She's coming back where she honed her songwriting amongst some of the best in the up-and-coming Americana community. Her debut album, Days Like Tonight, was released independently under the moniker Miss Lauren Pratt in August 2015 at the popular East Nashville venue, The Basement East. Her sophomore album, Live at Monster Studio, was recorded in Nashville and released in 2016. She's currently studying the effects of expressive art therapy and is working on her next album to re be released in the spring of 2019 um, she just finished up recording I think she's working on mixing right now um, since the podcast uh, a little update on her um, September 16th she was named the winner of the no depression singing singer-songwriter award um, not just a finalist anymore and uh, she shared uh, that with uh, other finalists Clint Alfin who's been on the program as well as Caroline Cotter and Heather Aubrey Lloyd so congratulations on that. Uh, today is Thanksgiving, and um, I'm very thankful for um, friends like Lauren, and uh, well-deserved that she got that. Um, yeah, my dad's in the other room uh, yelling about Al Roker on the on the Macy's Day Parade. We're putting on a pot of coffee, getting ready to roast a turkey, um, enjoying the day. Um, I hope that your Thanksgiving was lovely. Uh, this released on Black Friday, so... Um, Maybe this uh, podcast will uh, recenter you after a morning of fighting people for cheap electronics. I don't know. But um, anyway, uh, congratulations, Lauren. Here's the podcast. We'll talk some more after. Oh, one more thing. Um, if you are listening um, and you enjoy the podcast, do me a huge favor and go like it on all the social medias. We're on Facebook.com slash Americana Station, Twitter at America Station because there's not enough letters to put the whole thing and uh, also on instagram at americana station you can also follow me at will Payne harrison um on instagram at will p harrison on twitter and uh facebook.com slash will Payne harrison um that's p-a-y-n-e um thank you so much for listening please tell a friend about the podcast if you enjoy it um i don't make any money from this this is all for the joy of it and um celebrating songwriting with uh other amazing songwriters that I really love. So, um, yeah, if you just pass it around, let's let's spread the word. Um, it would be awesome if you would leave a review on iTunes. I think we've got one really nice review right now, which I appreciate. Um, but um, rating and leaving um, comments really helps uh, it get out in the world. So please do that for me. And uh, now, without any further ado, here's Lauren Pratt. Rhythm of the Boogie to Beat. I said a hip, a hop, a heavy, a heavy to the hip, hip, poppin' you don't stop the rockin' to the bang, bang, boogie, say up, jump the boogie, is the rhythm of the boogie to beat. 
And now what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat. And me and my crew and my friends, we're going to try and move your feet. Everybody. All right. That's how this is going to start. <laughs> my mom taught me that. Your mom taught you that? Yeah. Your mom's cool. Yeah. She's, she's, pretty, she's pretty boss, man. She's boss? Yeah. She's like 80s cool? Yeah. Yeah. So everyone, we have Lauren. It's okay. Coffee. Yes, I haven't had coffee yet. We have Lauren Pratt on the LP, LP. on the podcast. <laughs> Down with LP. We can pause. I know. We can make coffee. I can if also you want. edit. I can do elevator music. I'm really good at it. Okay, here's the elevator music. Okay, now we got coffee. Now we're good. We have coffee now. You didn't do the elevator thing though. I we can record that later. Okay, post. We'll, we'll fix it in post. Yep. So today we have. Uh, Chris Pratt's sister, <laughs> Lauren Pratt, on the program, and uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I wish he was my brother, but no. So, um, what have you been up to? How are you doing? <sighs> I mean, I know really what you've been well, up to, well. actually, but but you want me to say it? For I the want sake the, the listeners, the yeah, sure. to actually. Um. Yeah, I, I just got into town about a week ago from Boston, which is where I live right now, and. I have been recording my next album with Don Bates, who is a friend I actually met at the apartment complex I used to live at, and his parents really? gave me his business card, and then many months later, we got together, and it was just like instant friendship. That's awesome. Yeah. The one that burned down? Yeah, not the friendship for the listeners. The yeah, friendship the, did not the burn apartment. down. The apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can... Uh, so... Two years, well, God, I'm losing count of time. Two years ago. Two years ago, your that same apartment complex burned down. Yeah. And then you decided to go to North Carolina. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then. Um, I feel like it was an ill-advised. Uh, journey. It was an ill-advised journey. Yeah, it, and I advised myself on it, mm-hmm. which is probably why it was ill-advised. But I just needed to get out and do something different. And. And then you ended up in Boston. Um, I did. I ended up in Boston. Um, I I should clarify North Carolina wasn't, it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't awful. I actually made some really great friends there. Um, and they, they really kind of, I don't know. What part of North Carolina? They really helped me out through that time. So I don't want to bad mouth them and say like, it was all for nothing. Did you get some songs out of it? That's the real question. Uh, no. What? Yeah, no, I didn't. Wow. Yeah, that's true. You were kind of not really doing the song. You didn't really pick up the songwriter thing until you became a finalist at um, Telluride, right? And then you kind of like picked it back up a little bit. Yeah. So after the house fire here in Nashville, I I kind of traveled for a little bit and um, saw family. How sad at some people's houses here in Nashville. (laughs) Shout out to Becky Warren. (laughs) Um, And I... I just didn't want to touch a guitar. I didn't want to. I didn't want to sing. I stopped singing. I stopped writing. Those were sad times. I stopped playing music. It was really sad. Yeah, I, didn't I was sad that you weren't doing it. <laughs> I didn't realize like how how traumatic. Yeah. Having your home burned down was, which sounds stupid, but no. Um, I was functioning, but I felt a little bit like the ghost in the shell. You know, you're still processing. the. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I, I didn't know. I was just kind of in denial. But um, 
it's really nice to be on the flip side. And a year after that, so this is last May, I found out I had completely forgotten I applied for the Telluride Troubadour contest. Yeah. The Bluegrass Festival in Colorado. And they contacted me and said, hey, you're one of 10 finalists. Please come out in a month. And uh, my friend Clint Alfin, who lives here in Nashville, was also oh. a finalist. So yeah. I flew down from Boston and uh, Clint drove over from Nashville and we met up in Albuquerque and rode into the mountains, the San Juan mountains of Colorado. But we, all these things happened, like the his car overheated. We had to fix that. <laughs> we got stuck behind a Ride the Rockies bike expedition <laughs> so like hundreds of bike bicyclists yeah but you, you like we weren't even in the rockies yet we were in the san juan mountains oh. so it was like we're gonna be stuck behind these people forever going behind hairpin turns around the mountain behind these bicyclists and it was harrowing but it was a really good reminder that um people were still interested was that like a kick start back into it when you became a finalist where you're like oh wait yeah I can do this or or like a wake-up call or um I at the time I think I saw it as like a last a last hurrah which is hysterical now yeah because I was like no I'm I'm just it's my last hurrah this is the last thing I'll do in music but it's a good way to go out you know it's just so stupid but well I remember when I was uh up in Boston on in October you were still kind of you know eh I don't know. And now yeah. you're here. You are recording a new album, but you also just I'm going to read off this list like I sure. said I was going to do. <laughs> sure. So we've got um, 2015 Lara Bar remix finalist, whatever. Yeah, they used to do a uh, Lara Bar used to do this really great um, contest called the Renola Remix Contest. And whoever won, it was like a by popular vote. And whoever won got to open for Gregory Allen Isakov. Oh, cool. And I think two different places in Colorado. And I was just shy of second place in the popular vote. <laughs> and then in 2016, you were in the Planet Bluegrass Troubadour Honorable Mention. And then 2017, yeah. on the Rocky Mountain Folk Fest, you were an honorable mention. And then in 2017, you were a third place finalist uh, for Telluride Troubadour Contest. And then yeah. this year, you also... Uh, are a No Depression singer-songwriter award finalist. Yeah, for uh, the Fresh Grass Festival, which is like two and a half hours west of Boston. So it's really convenient. <laughs> That's awesome. And Clint's also a finalist in that too, right? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, they reached out. They actually reached out to me. Um, most of these places you have to kind of track down and, yeah. and figure out, you know, who... Or not who, but where should I apply? You know, what is going to be the best use of my funds? Because almost all of these contests have at least like a $10 submission fee. Right. And I got this email from the No Depression office, um, which for the listeners, No Depression is a, a Roots music journal magazine. It's a quarterly print publication that covers a lot of artists doing really great renditions of old styles coming up with new styles of Americana and roots and blues and it's a uh, huge old timey. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and they emailed me and they said, we've been following your music. And I thought, 
what have you been following? I haven't been doing anything. <laughs> but they said, we've been following your music and um, we think you'd be a great fit for this award, but you have to apply for it first. So please apply. Hmm. And I thought, man, spam artists are getting really creative now. <laughs> like, I just didn't believe it. I was like, I'm getting spammed. So I replied and I asked them a bit about it and they replied back and I went, oh, wow, this is actually legit. Yeah. And, uh, and it was really encouraging because, you know, I, I didn't get in Telluride this year or an honorable mention. I didn't get into Rocky Mountain Folks Fest or an honorable mention. And I think year by year it kind of differs because yeah, they switch judges yeah. up. And um, my roommate Meg has been a, a finalist at Kerrville and stuff. And she said the first year um, the only reason she didn't get into the finals was one judge, you know. And sometimes mm, yeah. that's it. Like everyone can love. Yeah. song and if there's one judge it's really subjective they gotta it out. yeah it's very subjective yeah. so. um but i think that's good to remember too because yeah as long as the the people that are around you are affirming you know and you trust them to to call bs right. on something that's actually not of quality um i think that you can just trust that because all of these contests are so subjective yeah. Do you have anything like the um, song salon up in Boston where you get to swap songs? Actually, we are starting that this fall. The Boston Yacht Club? The Boston Yacht Club. <laughs> Is that what y'all are doing? Oh, my, my grandparents are going to listen to that and be like, that's not what Bostonians sound like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually just... So, quick recap of the last month. Um, I just emphasized month, really hardcore month, um, early July. So this is coming out in November. So quick recap of <laughs> three months ago, right? <laughs> Two months ago. Yeah. Um, of July, I, I spent a week in the Catskills at Richard Thompson's songwriting camp called frets and refrains. And Richard Thompson is a really well-known and beloved, UK folk god basically and uh, has been since the 70s and now he lives in California and um, there are there are pockets around the country that are just uber dedicated to -hmm. his music and um, I songs like Bee's Wing, uh, Vincent Black Lightning, 1952, I mean just staple folk songs in my cover list I, I love him so much so when I found out about his camp and that Patty Griffin was going to be a guest songwriting oh, teacher I was yeah. like well uh, yeah of course I'm going to be there of course um you know <laughs> so I I spent a week tent camping really which I used to love <laughs> not anymore no not anymore um did you like you had the whole setup though like the oh yeah and everything and you yeah. still didn't love it really? no i actually oh. slept the last night in the car because the seats fold down hmm. um and i've slept i've got a really great uh kia and the the seats fold down but not all the like the back seats fold down but not all the way flat oh. so in the sleeping bag i was sl- constantly sliding down through the night back towards the back hatch and i didn't get really good sleep because i had this terrible nightmare of kicking open the hatch and the alarm goes off and everybody in the camp is really mad at me even the last (laughs) day and patty doesn't want to talk to me and there's just anxiety (laughs) that's all legit but i i spent a week um at this at this really beautiful resort 
kind of just meeting a bunch of people from all over the country that aren't necessarily pursuing songwriting or guitar playing, Mm -hmm. but they just love to do it. And they all came the first year and they have returned because it's, it's like a little reunion for them and they, yeah, they just love it. So it was wonderful to be, you know, it was different than being in Nashville and going to like Americana, um, because it's just people that came together and right. love to do what they love to do, you know? But you did another one, right? Yeah, so I did that, and I took Patty's songwriting class, and mm-hmm. I actually, she gave me some incredible compliments that I'm I'm currently feasting on. <laughs> um, she said that my, my voice reminded her of Odetta. Um, and Odetta was just like a powerhouse folk singer in the 60s and okay i was gonna say i'm gonna pretend like i know who that is you need to look I up odetta I, look up. I had to look up odetta oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> um and I've, I've been listening to her stuff ever since and that my voice resonated at a deep place in a person's soul and i was like okay oh, whoa put that on your uh on your bio now <laughs> right. patty says you can it's not like it's a lie um but she was so tremendous she was she was very um, generous with her time and her attention to us and gave us uh, some really good songwriting prompts and ideas yeah. um, for new material and how to get through writer's blocks, and which is something that I'm very interested in, obviously. <laughs> Getting through the writer's blocks? Yeah, and uh, she gave us a couple choices, and I, I chose the acapella um songwriting prompt and I think like 30 minutes before class I jotted down the song about doubt and that that tricky trapeze act between yeah. faith and doubt and um I I sang it for acapella like I think she was sitting four feet in front of me and I was standing so I just had to look straight over her head you know like make no eye contact <laughs> and I sang it and um and it was that was it it was I finished it and she was like, it's done. Don't, don't touch it. So I didn't, it actually is the last song on this new record. Wow. What you were to, can you repeat what you were talking about in the kitchen when I was making my coffee about, um, you changed an arrangement. Yes. Yes, I did. We're going Um, into it. We're going into it. You're recording right now. Yes. Well, it's November right now. Isn't it? Oh, you just finished recording. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I, I just finished recording. It's August, whatever day it is now, 4th, yeah. maybe. It's August 4th, and uh, we were finished recording last night. We were in the studio from um, 10 to 6 every day this week. And um, we... I just lost my train of thought. Because <laughs> my computer made a noise. I'm so sorry. It's folks. okay. Yeah, so we were recording all week, and then we got to the end of the week kind of last uh, yesterday afternoon and uh, sat down at the piano and I thought, oh, well, you know, I had this finger picking song called The Spirit Moves and it was one of the first ones that I wrote for this new album and I was playing it in a way that I thought was, I don't know, touching. Yeah. Um, Because most of my stuff is done on guitar and I sat down at the piano and I thought, well, what would it be like if I just kind of tinkered around with it Mm -hmm. and as soon as I played that first chord it was like okay that there it is it's it's appropriately haunting yeah 
and we have to do this. So now I'm actually coming back at the end of the month, a couple days, the last week of August, and we're going to record the piano and the vocals, and it's just going to, the the last little bit of that song is going to ring through into the very last track, which is an acapella track in the same key. Is that the one that you sang for Patty? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. It's Patty approved. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead. When you get her album, just skip to the end and listen to that first. Right. <laughs> no, don't do that. Actually, uh, <laughs> we spent a lot of time. Um, my, my producer friend, I just going to call him producer friend because he was a friend first, but he's still your his producer. title right now is producer, yeah. producer, recorder, engineer, mixer, <laughs> friend, <laughs> um, Don and I spent a good part of the first day this past week working on song order yeah, and trying to figure out how we're going to get from song to song and reminds me of this water park back home when there was this little like lily pad obstacle course Mm -hmm. and you had to figure out how you're going to get from each lily pad to each lily pad to to not fall in the water and completely lose your path yeah kind of like american Um, ninja warriors yes (laughs) i like the lily pads though yeah um yeah so we we spent the day trying to figure out okay how are we going to get from song to song and the um he thinks a lot in in vinyl record um thinking so he's thinking side a side b and He's getting really excited. You know, I, I think it's like 22 minutes on each side. Right. Yeah. It has to be. That's the, uh, you can put less, but it like that's the cap. Yeah. Right. So twenty under 22 minutes and we went through the timing and we went, oh, this is going to work. And then we realized that I think each side is below 18 minutes so it can be hi-fi. Heck yeah. Yeah. That was about to say you start losing fidelity once you go um, higher in the minutes. Yeah. So I think each side is going to be high fidelity and... It's going to be awesome. Do you have a title for it? You don't have to drop no, it. No, it's in, it's in workshopping, right? I did. I had a really good title um, with a really great story, and I actually had an illustrator all lined up yeah. to do original artwork for the album. Uh, and we started playing through the songs, and I went, no, this yeah. is not appropriate for this at all anymore. So... Um, so it's, it's in the workshop, you know, one of my favorite things about like recording is like you have these ideas and then you spent so much time being creative on it and then you get in the studio and then like it goes like left field kind of like you're, you know, you switch to piano. I yeah. was down in Louisiana. We were talking a little bit about, um, <clears throat> I, you know, I've been touring a lot more lately and I was down in Louisiana with uh, these guys called the, the Rayo brothers who I'm going to have on the podcast later, but um, they're good friends of mine and ever since I've been up here in Nashville, like the way I play is very like Louisiana influenced. And, you know, sometimes players here don't have that feel. I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. how to explain it. It's just mm-hmm. a little bit on the backbeat and it's like a little bit, it's very regional. Fluid. Yeah. It's very regional. Yeah. But these guys were born and raised in it and they get it. Like that's all the music there. And so they were my backing band for um, a week and uh, they just like, like I didn't have to explain something to him. I played the song and they're like, yep, got it. And then, so I was actually in the process of um, getting together all these Nashville music- musicians for my next record. And like, once I played with them, I, now I'm like, great, maybe I need to go down to Louisiana and record it. I don't know. It's like flipped on its head right now. It's. Uh, I mean, you could. <laughs> I know, I know. Especially but, with all the equipment that 
It's yeah. so readily available and it's so easy as, as long as you have somebody that's very confident and aware of their abilities to record you. Yeah. You know, I think you totally could do that. Yeah. So I'm toying with that right now because it's so nice to have musicians that just like fully get it and you don't yeah. like it's just they lock in, you know. Well, especially if that's your market, you know, and yeah. you still want to be you still want to be, <laughs> I don't know, a, a presence in yeah. your home state with, yeah they don't want to hear you leaving to go record somewhere else you know they want to yeah yeah we did this uh acadiana acadiana roots thing that was really cool and um a lot of people came out and uh, uh it's nice to to know that they still <laughs> count me as one of their own yeah i think i saw a few posts about that yeah yeah that's what i'm seeing for some reason oh, okay. like whatever you're doing is working because I'm seeing posts on mostly on Facebook for what you've been doing. And, um, that's really exciting. Yeah. Cause sometimes I don't see anything by my friends that's going on, but for some reason your stuff always scrolls across my home screen. Yes. It might be because you're tagged in one of my photos. You remember that photo we took on the, Oh yeah. At the Harbor. No, I think it's all the little flower emojis. It's all the flower emojis. <laughs> that we send each other. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. So I'm going to go ahead and tell the story. When me and Lauren first became friends on Facebook, there was a flower button along with all the laugh. And I think it was springtime. That maybe, was like their new thing. Yeah. And so every single time we talked, everything was the flower emoji. And then it just exploded into the whole screen. You remember that? Like the whole screen was flowers every yeah. time you It's did. like when you type congrats yeah. and it goes like, woohoo. And it shoots up all these fireworks you're like that's not okay calm down siri yeah. <laughs> so even to this day i always put like a flower emoji whenever i <laughs> type anything out to you yeah and it just cracks me but up. now you actually have to go into the emoji keyboard and flip over i know and look to for find it. it yeah it's not readily available with the like button and it doesn't explode it doesn't explode yeah. no which is unfortunate okay back on track though <laughs> so all that that I said was to get to, did you, like when you were originally working out your your demos or your work tapes, did you dramatically shift once you got um, Don uh, in with you to kind of produce? Yeah. Um, so I think that they sound very much very much the same obviously because a work tape is just you and guitar you and like whatever your yeah instrument is and then you get in the studio and you've got a band with you right um but structurally they sound the same um yeah i i think that they sound the same they just have a band with them are you which like is nice. layering? are you doing like multiple harmonies and stuff and extra yeah, I'm going to be adding some background vocals when I come back. Um, I there There's somebody that I really... I sang with him once up in Boston. Mm-hmm. He actually went to Belmont, but he lives in Boston now. Um, and I sang with him at a house concert that we did in June. And we sang a Brandy Carlisle song, and it was like right there. Like we just sounded so good together. But I don't think I can I can fit him in checked baggage. Oh. You know, so I can't get him down here to do background vocals, but um, that's always the worst. It totally is. I think a lot of this record is kind of like, do you know Jennifer Knapp? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, her Kansas album from like 1998 was my daily bread. Really? Yeah. For a lot of my childhood, I was obsessed with that album. And she opens it and closes it with acapella songs. Yeah. And which I thought was so brave. And I've always wanted to do that. So I'm, I'm glad that I get to do that now. Yeah. But she also does, I'm pretty sure she does like all of her own vocal harmonies on that album and that trained my ear as a kid yeah and so now i just my default is not to sing melody it's actually to sing harmony really so this is kind of like my jennifer knapp kansas album oh so i'm gonna be doing my own harmonies that's awesome and uh and i've got an acapella song so it's is it uh lord undo me that's her right uh yeah okay yeah Yeah, i do remember her her one was like all the pennies I've wasted in my wishing well. I'm going to be honest. I don't know that so I actually good. heard the album. You need to listen to it. it. What had, are you doing? Um, well, <laughs> um, you know, back in the day, that wasn't really necessarily my jam, but I do yeah. remember her. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I'm actually going to pull that one out when I'm on the plane tonight. Didn't she? So by pull that out, I mean stream on Spotify. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not actually pull out a vinyl. Not actually pull out a CD player. Like I was listening to it. <laughs> she she was a like a Christian artist for a while. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then she kind of got kind of pushed away or whatever. Yeah, of, she came out as gay yeah. and um, it just completely severed that connection. Yeah. And I think she moved to Australia for a good bit. And really? And yeah. she's still doing music? Yeah, she is. I believe she's back here in Nashville, actually. Huh. I think she moved back a few years ago. Um but she was such an incredible influence on me and continues to be. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll have to check her out. So speaking of um, like Christian songwriters, you also did a workshop with uh, Dan from Jars of Clay. Oh my which gosh. That's one of my favorite Christian <laughs> bands. Like he is a ph- phenomenal sing- songwriter. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> one of the songs on the album. So it's so crazy to me. Um, one of the songs in the album was obviously directly influenced by Patty Griffin because I, yeah. I had that songwriting prompt. and You could say y'all co-wrote it, you know, kind of. No, I can't. <laughs> I really wish I could. I'd be like, I'd share uh, all my royalties with you yeah. just, to, just to share a co-writing bill. Right. Um, but I brought forth this song. It was actually Mary Gauthier's songwriting workshop. I love Mary Gauthier. She's she's incredible. She's such an awesome person. A fantastic teacher. Yeah. She was. She's so present too. Like very. By far the most educational thing that has happened to me this year. And I'm getting my master's. (laughs) Also a Louisiana native. So, you know, she's cool. Yeah, she really is. She made us gumbo. Did she? For the first night. No, it wasn't gumbo. I'm so sorry. It was jambalaya. Jambalaya. She made us jambalaya. For opening awesome. night of her. this She's workshop. So but anyway, um, her guest songwriter was Dan Hasseltine. Okay, I never knew how to say his last name. I think I'm saying that correctly. Sure, that sounds right. I'm just going to call him Dan. Just Dan. Danny boy. Um, that sounds weird. Dan. So Dan was, for our listeners, the lead singer and... I don't know if he was like a lead writer. I think they write songs as a band, but... Um, he is a very distinct voice, very present voice, um, and the leader of Jars of Clay, which is currently on a hiatus. I think he's been doing, he's got, like, know that. yeah, he's got a pop project called the Hawk in Paris and he might be doing some solo stuff in the future. Okay. 
Um, but he's also the found, co-founder of Blood Water Mission, yeah. which builds wells in Africa and in towns yeah. that it's... Um, so I work with a nonprofit that yeah, works with them. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing. You know, yeah. he, he used his influence in the musical community and, and kind of the prophets that came from that and the connections that come from being yeah. in Christian music and connected with ministries to start this foundation that brings clean water um, or, or finds clean water right. where people are because there was such a crisis with AIDS and they wanted to get involved in helping the AIDS crisis, but they didn't think that um, just going to the Christian community, like we want to help the people with AIDS was going to work very well at the time. Yeah. So they thought, well, it's, it attacks the immune system and people are drinking dirty water. Like we need to, we need to start finding ways to get them clean water where they are. So that's what they do. And, And I think that's, fantastic it mirrors a lot of what i would like to do in my career i don't i'm not particularly drawn towards um creating wells but you know i am getting a master's in mental health and expressive art therapy right now and i'm i'm concerned with how much we don't talk about mental mental health health in the country but you know as a whole in the country, because that's such a, a big issue. Um, but also here in Nashville, you know, there's a lot of people, half the city is always leaving to go on tour. Yeah. And then there are people, there are partners and kids left behind to deal with the, the everyday stuff, the getting the groceries, the feeling overwhelmed, the babysitters, the, the school schedules. Yeah. And it's, it's basically like little mini tours. You know, they're not going to war, but... When you leave, both parties are experiencing something different. And then you have to kind of come back together and reconcile the, the difference of that time that you were apart. Yeah. And so I, I'd love to be in the music industry community as an artist, but also as an advocate, possibly as a mental health um, counselor. But I don't know that 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 might be down the road, but that's definitely something that I'm I'm concerned about. I write a lot about. Are you ever going to come back to Nashville? Are you still stuck on Boston right now? You could, <laughs> well, I'll let you think of it. We'll, we'll get back. I would to love that. to come back to. <laughs> I really would love to come back to Nashville. Um, it's it's wonderful right now to be in Boston because I have family that's been there since I don't know, like the twenties yeah. or thirties. And a lot of my, my mom's side, that history is wrapped up in Boston. And um, it's really such an honor to be able to go to a big city that your family has kind of come up through right. in the past century and, and see the influence um, that, that that city has had on your family, but also that your family's had on that city. So it's a, it's a, it's a little... <laughs> microcosm yeah um i remember you were like uh last time i was up there you showed me something and you're like yeah and my grandparents used to own this building oh yeah right right next to the harbor yeah it was a houseboat or a houseboat okay yeah so i used to go up there as a kid and for a long time i only thought boston was like the north end yeah which is the really fun italian section for all the listeners um it's got great 
great Italian food. So the North End. And Are you Italian? Or no. Is your family Italian? <laughs> they're, all, no. they're Irish. Oh, okay. It's like the North End and like Faneuil Hall and Quincy Market and all those little like yeah. shop areas. I thought that was Boston. That was the entirety of Boston. And now I realize, uh, no, it's so much bigger. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. Boston's definitely in my top five favorite cities I've been to in the United States for sure. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite city in the U.S. But um, I don't know. For as much as the market is going up here in Nashville, it's it's still much more affordable than, than Boston, <laughs> than Boston yeah. which is one of the top most expensive cities oh, in the country. Yeah. Like San Fran and uh, New, York New York and yeah. L.A. L.A., Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. I love Chicago. I think Chicago is in my top three. Sorry, Boston. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> Boston don't need you. <laughs> wow. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Please come back. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I do, I, I try to always touch on this. What is your songwriting process usually like? Are you, I'm, I, everyone always says, you know, it, it differs song to song and I totally understand that. But typically like do, when you sit down, is it like, do you sit down when you're inspired or do you sit down as like a um, sort of um, discipline? You know, how do you usually? Yeah. Um. <laughs> the face you just made said probably not as a discipline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very disciplined as yeah. a human being and I'm trying to be better at that. I'm making a conscious effort to be better at that. Um I read one time that I can't remember who maybe Mozart had this crazy schedule and he'd stay up partying and then he'd go home and he would just like write into the wee hours of the morning and then go to sleep and get a few hours of sleep and wake up and the first thing he did was like powder his wig and then he would start writing again and then it was really weird so I was like man I wish I could have a routine like that yeah and uh, that's you know that's not really tenable but I currently only write when I'm really inspired and when I'm in Nashville it's like I'm constantly inspired yeah um so you've been writing a lot this week I have written a lot yeah I wrote a lot when I was in Mary's class I started writing I think I started writing for about two years I didn't write anything after that fire and then in June I went to a song circle down in Roxbury which is a little bit south of Boston and had a really great night and then the next night there was actually a house concert at my house and we had a couple different play, uh, bands and a few people come over play mandolin and, and like a little drum kit and we had about 35 people in this tiny city apartment and it went really well and that really kind of restarted the fires for me so that was June and it's just been a whirlwind since then it's been like non-stop writing i've been coming up with new ideas i'm I've so glad to hear editing that. these old songs um because for a while there you weren't really writing or, or i mean well you're, you're in school as well but i was so bummed that you weren't really doing it i'm glad i was to hear bummed too well yeah i was bummed too <laughs> yeah it was hard um it's like you you lost an arm or something you know like when yeah. you when you stop doing something that you love so much yeah. Well, I think I had let it become such a big part of my identity here. You know, I put all my eggs in one basket and put I put a put the mask on. I was like, I'm going to be the musician. 
when I moved here and for a while, you know, that worked. I had a lot of material to pull from and, um, I just got burned out because that was the only part of my soul that I fed just the musician side. And, um, you know, we're, we're created to be multifaceted beings. Mm -hmm. So I left the mask on too long. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you forgot who you were outside of it a little bit. yeah. Yeah. Or maybe a lot of it. But it's been a really, it's been a couple hard years um, just personally thinking through like, okay, how do I, how do I figure out what my identity is and um, what do I need to add into my life? What I need to take out to, to really feed that healing process. So it's wonderful to be writing again. Um, and... To answer your first question, I think when I sit down to write and I'm feeling inspired, which by the way, I used to write a ton more when I was bored. <laughs> so I don't have a Netflix account anymore because we we don't like to be bored now. We just mm-hmm. like I'm bored, I should entertain myself and we entertain ourselves instead of just sitting and thinking. Yeah. Um so there's there's so much space to be creative. When you're bored, that means you should be creative. Yeah. And uh, now that I know that, I'm sorry, the cat just walked in and he shook his, his little collar. Come here, Mia. We don't acknowledge him. <laughs> um, I love cats. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's definitely different to sit down now with the mindset of like okay it's not work but it needs to be treated with the same gravitas like what i'm doing is important i'm just not right. i'm not just sitting down to write some like fluff i want to sit down and write a song that says something right because truth is what connects an audience and an artist and um really forms those those connections between people. That's why we make art. Yeah. So I'm approaching it with a lot more respect now than I was before. Yeah. I'm not taking advantage of just being able to be wordy and clever, but actually sit down and, and be thoughtful about the, the things that I'm creating with meaning and content. So do you, do you, you said you're not disciplined so you just used I to, haven't been I'm getting have, I'm getting much better at it okay so you're trying to be <laughs> a little bit more uh proactive about yes how often yeah. you write yeah how many songs did you have to cut down to make your this new album right um let's see like what was your output previous to knowing like okay I this is a 12 song or 10 song album like sure but I have 40 songs like were you writing a lot or was it like a very concise list um I had I waffled about I had about 13 that I wanted to put on the record but the first album I did days like tonight is 10 songs and I kind of like that you know it's Mm -hmm. it's not an EP so it's not three to five song songs but right can you edit that out? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not an EP, which is three to five songs. 
but it's not a full length album, which is like 12 to, I don't know, 18 songs sometimes, which is crazy to me. Um, cause I don't think people have that much of an attention span. That's not how we consume music anymore. I feel like, no. um, you know, especially with Spotify, it's like mm-hmm. you, you have the ability to listen to have 18 songs, but people don't go through 18 songs, you know, they make yeah. their own playlists or whatever. Yeah. I'm also not really superstitious. However, you're just a little stitious. <laughs> I'm just a little stitious. <laughs> wow. Michael Scott. I love <laughs> no, the sorry, office. Um, I'm not superstitious about like numbers and stuff, but I just like things to be even. Mm-hmm. It's that's, that's closer to OCD than it is to superstition, but I'm not OCD. Um, so I liked the idea of it either being 10 or 12. Yeah. I really liked that idea. Um, and then we sat down and looked at the songs and I played through a few of them on pre-production day, which is the first day in the studio. And I played one of them that it didn't fit the album and it felt a little bit divorced from reality. Mm -hmm. And I thought, no, that doesn't need to be on there. And then we were down, we were down to nine songs and I thought, well, this will not do. Yeah. We need to fix this because if side A is going to be five songs and side B is going to be five songs, we need to fill it. And I went through, I think I've got, I don't know, I started writing Heavy Duty in 2012. So I've got a lot of songs that are two verses and a chorus, you know, like they're, they're really good starts to songs, but they're not finished. And I've got about... 40 of those mm-hmm. and I, I just looked through my song bits the other day like phrases and prompts and ideas and I've got about 500 of those Jeez. yeah I mean they're not they're not yeah, songs yeah. but they're just starting points they're starting points yeah. um they're like really old so I'm looking in the I was looking in that file of the the 40 and found this <laughs> found this song that I actually modeled after Robert Frost poem and, yeah, and I wrote it Which several one? years ago. It's um, Fire and Ice. So the first verse is his poem. Yeah. Some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who favor fire. But if it had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction, ice is also great and would suffice. Hmm. And so I was like, well, clearly I need to, I need to, put this to music yeah <laughs> so uh that's the first verse and then i wrote a second verse um and then i referenced another another poem um and i can't i think it's called blue flag in the bog by edna st vincent Millay, who's my favorite female mm-hmm. poet um from the 20th century and it's all about basically like the end of the world and being left behind and trying to save something beautiful before it's destroyed. And I feel like it fits in really well because there's a lot of talk of haunting and um, things being left behind and lost. Yeah. That this kind of, a lot of these were written before the fire, but it definitely kind of found its its true form in oh. reflecting on that time of my life. So we we plucked it out and I... I played it for my producer friend, yeah. Don, and he said, yeah, that's, yeah, man, that's it. 
That's that awesome. needs to be on the record. And I thought, yeah, it does. So half the half the um, album is finger picking guitar and and me, and it's gonna have some some sparse um, some like Hammond in the background mm-hmm. and like a mandolin sometimes, and, and then the other half is band. It's it's drums like light drums, uh, bass, electric guitar with a lot of country twangy yeah. sounds. We got some Oklahoma dance hall. All right. Feel to it. Yeah, it's kind of all over the place, but I feel like it kind of encapsulates all of the styles that I really love. Do you want to play one for us from the album, the upcoming album? Sure. Do you have a guitar? I do. Let me go <laughs> grab it. This is called In the Valley. joy till it broke apart like a worn out toy I've got the pieces no way to mend Lord I need a savior oh hell I need a friend That's the podcast this week. Thanks so much for listening. Um, 
we have a few more interviews uh, coming up for the rest of the year. Um, I'm really excited about. Um, I have Nick Nace. He's going to be on the next episode of the podcast, as well as uh, Stephen Dunn and uh, Mike Dunn. Uh, no relation. Um, I'm actually going to a festival in Orlando um, tomorrow. I'm leaving for that on a Friday when this episode drops. I'll be heading to Orlando for Folkia, uh, Volume 3. It's the third uh, installment. It's a, It's been a three-day festival this year that uh, Mike Dunn uh, down in Orlando put on. And uh, he's an awesome songwriter um, as well as just community organizer, photographer, videographer, jack-of-all-trades. And um, we'll be down there. Stephen Dunn is actually going to be playing as well um, at the festival. And uh, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a good one. A lot of good songwriters from the Orla- Orlando area and surrounding areas. Um few from Nashville, like me and Steven, are going to be there. Um, it's going to be a good time, so you'll be hearing about that later. Um, but next episode, we got Nick Nace. Uh, he is uh, a songwriter who comes from New York, um, and he has been in Nashville for the last uh, few years and uh, uh, had a really good interview. Um, he played a new song for us. Um, I see Nick all the time. He's all he's all over town. We talked about that a little bit. <laughs> he's uh, ubiquitous in the uh, East Nashville scene. But uh, happy Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you listening. Um, please make sure you uh, follow, rate, share, do all those things that uh, all the podcasts tell you to do. That would be really helpful in uh, getting the word out. Um, and uh, tell all your friends. Uh, eat all the pecan pie. And uh, have a happy Thanksgiving.